0: Mindfulness mode.
1: It's not just committing to being lucky. That's part of it. And it's very important. But then you commit and recommit to doing the work to be intentionally changing your fortune.
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe, have you ever said to yourself, oh, wow, that was a lucky day? Or maybe said, wow, I really didn't have any luck with that week. You know, things went terribly. And, you know, do you think of your life in terms of luck? Well, you're in luck today because we have the ultimate book about luck. And I should say the ultimate authors who have authored the book about luck. And the, the book is called Conscious Luck. And I just finished reading it a couple of days ago and absolutely loved it. And I've never looked at luck this way before. I'm looking at it in a whole new way. Today's guest's are wonderful, wonderful authors. And I'm saying that because I I know them from having interviewed one of them before, and now I'm getting to know the other one. I have Gay Hendricks, Dr. Gay Hendricks, and Carol Klein with me today. So welcome to the show. How are you, Carol? Nice to be with you.
2: I'm very happy to be on the show. And thank you so much for inviting us.
0: And Dr. Hendricks, great to have you back. I interviewed you before in episode 59. How are you? I'm wonderful, and it's great to be back with you again, Bruce. Thanks so much. Well, I always like to talk about mindfulness, and Dr. Hendricks, I asked you last time what mindfulness meant to you. What does mindfulness mean to you, Carol?
2: Mindfulness has to do with being more present in whatever's happening to you at the moment. It isn't really rocket science. It has to do with sort of lessening the static, lessening the anxiety, lessening the ability to get overshadowed by what's happening to you and finding your center. So it's a real, it's a real physical thing to me. It's very consciousness-based and physiologically based.
0: Well, I really love your slant on luck that both of you have put together in this book. And it's a very interesting story how this book came about that, gay, you mentioned at the beginning how this happened. The subtitle of the book is Eight Secrets to Intentionally Change Your Fortune. So, Gay, which of those secrets do you think is the most life-changing?
3: Great question. Well, all of them are life-changing in one way or the other. The one that jumps up to the fore for me whenever I think about conscious luck is the simplicity of how you can go from changing your luck simply by changing your mindset. For example, imagine going from the mindset of, I'm not lucky, good stuff doesn't happen to me, to changing one simple thought, which is I'm the luckiest person on earth. Good things happen to me. You know, that's just a shift in mind. It doesn't take any time and it doesn't cost any money. I found that my life began to really change when I began to shift out of negative thinking in general, all the can'ts and I shouldn't do that and why can't I do this? And kind of the victim approach I used to take to life until I woke up in my 20s and I realized I was only one positive thought away from changing anything in my life. And so I began to change my thoughts. And like William James said back in the 19th century, he said the greatest discovery of his time is that you can change the circumstances of your life by changing what's going on in your mind. And so I started, um, even back when I was a kid, to thinking of myself as a lucky person, and then good stuff started to happen. So I think that we all ought to just applaud the human mind for the incredible simplicity of being able to change our thoughts voluntarily and consciously, and have that then spill over into the outer circumstances of our lives. I love that you
0: referred to the simplicity because when I read the first three chapters of this book, which you specifically wrote, you made it sound simple. You made it sound like, like I got really excited. I I was like, oh wow. Yeah. This, this isn't so complicated. This isn't so difficult. Yes, I can do this. And that's your writing style. And it's also years of wisdom that have, you know, made it possible for you to share this way with your readers. So Carol, what did you think When gay first came to you with this idea, and then you met in the grocery store and you chatted and you had this idea. Tell us your thoughts about that.
2: Well, gay sent me this manuscript in 2012, I think, and it was in not in its present form, it was sort of a seed. And the two words together, conscious and luck, really struck me because my experience of luck was that it wasn't conscious at all. It happened to you, you didn't have any control over it. Good things happened, bad things happened, and you were just at luck's mercy. And so when he introduced this concept to my awareness of conscious luck, it was like, you know, I just, my, my head kind of exploded and I read the first parts of it and, you know, other parts were there in seed form. And I got very excited because I realized that luck, like health, like happiness, I'd written a book called happy for no reason by that time. And I knew that there was some static genetic part of your happiness set point. Well, luck has the same sort of thing that you, you can affect it. You can change it by your actions, by your attitudes and by your association. And when I understood that luck wasn't capricious, mysterious, superstitious, but that it was based on things I did thought and who I hung out with, it just was a revelation. And I got very excited and gay didn't want to write the book. <laughs> well,
0: he was busy with other things, right he
2: was busy, he was busy yeah, so i i it haunted me, and I nagged him very, very, very gently. I would see him a few times a year, maybe, but it wasn't like I was always asking him, but I really thought this book should come out. it haunted me. it was on my computer uh you know desktop, I saw the icon that said the word document of conscious block so I had it 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 really to me needed to be brought out in the world. And it's an absolutely fantastic paradigm shift for people.
0: Well, Gay, you said you were raised to harbor a great deal of shame inside you. And the third secret is about that. And that was one of the secrets that I found extremely revealing and, and powerful for me personally. Can you talk about that, uh, Gay, and, and just tell our listeners about that, that secret?
3: Yes, I discovered something about myself. Um, when I was 45 years old, my brother and I were down helping clear out my mother's house. Uh, after she passed away, we were going to sell it. And I was moving a picture frame into a box and out of the back of the picture frame fell an envelope and letter. And I looked at it and it was to my mother from her church group in 1945. And I realized, That's the year I was born. And so I opened it up and read it. And apparently she'd stuck it in there way back because it, you know, dust came off of it and everything. And what it was, was this heartfelt plea from my mother's church group to my mother. And it was saying... Norma, you don't need to just sit in your house and feel shame all the time. I know you. it wasn't perfect the way the birth happened and what happened with your husband. And, you know, it was this condolence letter, but saying you must come out of your house. You just can't sit in there and feel ashamed all your life. The date on it was several months, like six months after I'd been born. And so apparently, according to... I, I've found out more about the family story and my mother had gone into quite a funk when I was born and had trouble taking care of me and then my grandmother stepped in. But the shame part was the part that really captivated my attention because I realized, wow. I had spent the first nine months of my prenatal existence being kind of pickled in shame and uh, not for something I did, but because of something somebody else felt. And then for six months afterwards, that must have been in the picture too. And as I was standing there, I realized as I tune into it, I can feel it all over my body, but I can particularly feel it down in my legs and the lower part of my body. And it's interesting because I'd never really felt shame before that i could think of you know i'd felt anger and i'd felt fear and i'd felt anxiety and i'd felt sadness but the whole concept of shame just didn't resonate with me and in fact a colleague of mine john bradshaw had written an entire book about shame and i i started to read it and i thought eh, i don't get it you know and so yeah. <laughs> he and i were good friends even and so what happened was in that moment, I tuned in and I could feel all of this territory in my body occupied by shame. But then this idea dawned on me. So, hmm, just because I feel it in that area now doesn't mean I have to feel that forever. And so I let myself feel it. But then I rededicated that territory to becoming an attractor field for luck and love. And anybody can do that. Anything that you discover in yourself, you can replant that field if you want. That's one of the great gifts of human consciousness is that we can, we're only one breath and one thought away from changing anything about our lives. And so in that moment, I rededicated my field of shame and rededicated it as a luck and love attractor. And so that's what you can do if you uncover any kind of painful emotions. And you first feel them, love them, open up to them, say okay to them, be mindful about them. But you don't have to. It's like uh, one of my mentors said, just because the bluebird of unhappiness uh, landed in your head on one occasion, you don't have to let it build a nest there. And so the idea is that we can be with our feelings in a loving way, but then replant them with something else if we want it to something we like better.
0: And that's exciting. Mindful Tribe, if you're listening right now, we're talking about the book Conscious Luck with Carol Klein and Dr. Gay Hendricks. And you can check it out, ConsciousLuck.com. Very simple. Carol, I want to ask you about three letters, because this is how you start off the book. Very, very exciting when you read this and believe it. It's the three letters are VLP. Tell us about that. <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> being a VLP or very lucky person is absolutely a process of commitment. And when I first I was raised very intellectually, very analytically, and I thought, no way can just deciding to be lucky work. That that just can't be that easy. But I am a convert and what I understood from gay and learning and sitting with gay and reading about this is that luck Any conscious change starts with a willingness to change and then a commitment to change. You decide you're going to be something different. And that is like the cow catcher, the prow on the train, the prow of a ship. It it, it breaks the way, it breaks the ice in front of you and starts you on that path. There's many other things you have to do. It's not the only thing you do. And we detail seven more secrets. But for me, it took a meta shift to actually get to that place. And the meta shift was, that luck, we interviewed a woman named Tina Selig, a professor from Stanford University. And she said, you know, people think of luck as an isolated dramatic event, like a lightning strike, when in fact, it's a wind that's always blowing. And all you have to do is build your sail of behaviors, of attitudes, of associations to harness the winds of luck. So with that commitment, and then the additional Work. You commit to doing the work. It's not just committing to being lucky. That's part of it, and it's very important. But then you commit and recommit to doing the work to be intentionally changing your fortune.
0: Wow it's it's great to it's great to talk to the actual authors who put this book together, and uh, so exciting to meet you, Carol Gay. You know, as I was reading the book, it occurred to me, hmm, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about the law of attraction, and it felt like some of this is an easier to digest way to understand that our thoughts are behind what we create. And really that's kind of what we learn in the law of attraction. Would you agree that there's this parallel?
3: There's definitely a parallel. Yes. As a matter of fact, I remember being, um, when I was first interviewed for that movie that um, Rhonda Byrne made, uh, The The Secret. Secret, My wife and I were interviewed for that, and then they decided not to put any relationship material in the movie, so we ended up on the cutting room floor. Okay. But I remember talking to her about this subject, and um, we, the idea that human beings can change the quality of their lives by changing something in their mind. When we say mind, I also want to think of us as a mind body, because I don't think we're just a mind that Has a body under it that's carrying around, we're a whole person. We're a spiritual being and we're an emotional being and we're a physical being. My wife has a t shirt that says, If it's physical, it's therapy. You know, the idea that you can even work on your spirit through the physical pathways, such as yoga and opening up to nature and that kind of thing. But I think the important thing that we need to realize as in the law of attraction, is that using our minds is one thing, but if you can use the wholeness of yourself as the broadcasting beacon for what you really want, that's fast, that's efficient. Our minds by themselves are useful, but they don't have as much juice to them as when you combine the powers of the body with the emotions and the sensations and the, all of the energy that we have. So I want us to um, think of the law of attraction more in whole person terms, rather than just in mental terms.
0: Right. Carol, I, I really enjoyed the second secret, release your personal barriers for good fortune. Did it take a long time for you to learn to release your personal barriers in life? Or was that something that came naturally to you?
1: I think Everybody is going to, I mean, because it's some of it's so insidious and so unconscious, we have conditioning and limiting beliefs that we might not even realize are there until we look at our life. And it's in the results you see. Sometimes you will. and, And Gay's book, The Big Leap, is a huge, we've actually, after we've written the book and we've been working with people and talking to people, There is an upper limits problem, which is what people self-sabotage, even when they get too happy, when they feel too good, when they have too much energy running through their bodies, when their luck is getting better, they tend to question that. And those kind of things, I think are challenging for everybody because they, and not that they can't be overcome. And we've seen people and it has a lot to do with being aware of them. Most times they're just a, a A background fact of life that you don't even notice—you've gotten so used to, you know, living in a like. There's a funny movie with John Malkovich. Everybody's like crawling through doors that are like half the size. I don't know if you ever saw that movie.
0: Yes, I did.
1: John Malkovich. But it's like that. Like we we walk around crawling through doors that are half the size of our bodies when we just need to take a breath and get aware. And then when we understand, we have techniques in the book for helping you. But we are now working on a workbook, a journal, Companion, which I think you're going to find. I am so excited about it. And we've, we've incorporated some of Gay's uh, upper limits work in the context of luck.
0: Well, I love in the book how not only do you give tools or you know, specific actions to take, but you say, stop put the book down, you know, take the time right now. And it really spoke to me. And one of the things that you, that you suggested people do is do this. And this is the statement. If I had all the money and time I could possibly want, what would I do then? And then write down your top three goals. And that really does get you thinking. And it took me a while to think about that one, and what would I actually do if I had all the not only all the money but all the time. So those are great questions. So, Gay, what are some of the other activities that you're putting into this new workbook that you're putting together?
3: Well, I um, I'm it's a I've only read half of it so far. We're um, we're up to the halfway point, but it follows along the different uh, chapters in the book, so it's laid out along the same principles. So. One of the things we haven't talked about too much is something that's in the workbook a lot, and that is developing what we call luck-worthy goals. And that is, you know, you started talking about that right now with this idea of what can I do in my life? What kind of goals can I set that would make it more likely that lucky things would happen to me? I remember one time there was a um, a Tibetan Lama that. um, formed a center out in Colorado, where I was living at the time. Uh, this was about 30 years ago. And uh, his name was Choyam Trungpa. And they formed this um, organization out there. And one of, the, one of his disciples gave them a million dollars. And at the time, they were just kind of scraping along and that kind of thing. And he'd escaped from Tibet and set up monasteries elsewhere, but he'd never really been able to kind of grow a following for one reason or the other. And so along comes this uh, sincere, dedicated uh, follower and gives them a million dollars. And it made all the newspapers because it was a, a big deal back then. And here's what he said. This really impressed me. They asked him what it was like to go from basically nothing to suddenly becoming, having a million dollar thing. And he said, if you're working quietly with passion and purpose, such auspicious coincidences are bound to occur. And I love the way he put that because it puts the emphasis on your passion and following your passion and doing what you most love to do. Because when you can do that, that's a huge invitation to luck to come your way because of look at the message you're putting out. And you know, one thing I've, I've learned, I've, I saw my first client in uh, 1968 and saw my last one at uh, nine o'clock this morning. And so in those 48 years or 50 years or whatever it is that I've been doing this, one thing I've really noticed is that the quality of what you put out into the world precisely determines what you get back from the world. And that's a painful thing to look at sometimes when things aren't going well. It's easy to blame it on the world outside, but that might work for a little while, but it's not a long-term solution. The only long-term solution is to find a place to come through inside so that you're putting out into the world the kind of passion and dedication that you want to get back from the world. And when things like that occur, well, it's like the first thing I mentioned in the book. My big lucky break when I was 14 years old, I I got the incredible piece of information out of the blue from this kid that was sitting next to me at the movies. They were going to have a drawing, and he said, "Watch this! I'm going to win the drawing." I said, "What?" And he said, "Just watch." He won the first place in the drawing. There was 250 people in the audience. He won the wristwatch. And later I said, "How did you do that? You know how how did you make that happen?" And he said that he had just made up his mind one day that he was going to be, quote, one of the lucky ones. That was his phrase, one of the lucky ones. And after he said that, I started trying that on. You know, okay, I'm going to be one of the lucky ones, too. And so I kind of tried that on right after that. I caught the lucky break of finding a very valuable briefcase on the sidewalk and getting it returned to its owner and ended up getting this big financial reward, reward, more money than I'd ever seen in my life. And it happened right after I decided to be one of the lucky ones. So it made a huge impression on me because it was about, worth about $35 or $40, but that was a ninth grader in Leesburg, Florida, who got 50 cents allowance if I did all my chores correctly, you know? So $35 seemed like being a multimillionaire now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a a really exciting story. You're such a great storyteller. And, you know, I certainly will say that, that you really changed the way I look at things. After I interviewed you last time, which was way back on episode, uh, like I said, episode, where is it here? Um, 59, 59. Yeah, 59. And we talked about sleepwalking and marriage and all different things. And one of the things is, Gay, you said, you should start brushing your teeth with the opposite hand. And ever since that day, I did. I switched. And so I think of you often <laughs> and it <laughs> so does. My recommendation
1: difference. is you switch back now because one of the secrets for conscious luck is to mix it up.
0: Okay, <laughs> well, I'll mix it up. I will do that. Carol, I want to ask you what, it, what you've learned from working with gay on this oh book. Oh my
1: gosh. I feel like the luckiest person in the world really and truly. Um, Gay and I wrote a book together with Jack Hanfield in 2005 called You've Got to Read This Book and it was my first introduction to Gay. I had heard of his books but I didn't realize that we um, lived in the same town now and it was just so much fun to work with him and when he sent me that manuscript I was hoping he would ask me to work with him on it but he didn't. (laughs) I learned that you have to ask for what you want. My particular lucky skill has to do with my 20 seconds of insane courage. I have learned to be brave in very in, in well-timed bursts <laughs> that have made the difference in my life. And one of those was in 2017, asking Gay if he would let me write this book with him. And it has been so fun because... <laughs> I would say gay takes a chill pill every morning and he's taught me a lot about just being very very doing less and accomplishing more um and stories that his ability his i was a storyteller with chicken soup for the soul i wrote hundreds and read hundreds of stories but i love how gay communicates his stories would rivet me he's very well read so i think writing with uh writing a book with gay and being able to be on these interviews with him has been uh one of the really lovely privileges of my life. So I want to tell him how much I appreciate him and how grateful I am that I got to be uh, a purveyor of conscious luck to the world with him.
0: I think he's blushing, but I can't tell for sure on zoom here. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, Gay. Um, I I think that's really great that you were able to work together and and make this this work so well because it really did work well in this book that's for sure and uh you know I know that chill pill you take I'm convinced is called meditation and you talked about it quite a bit last time do you still meditate for 20 minutes in the morning and about 20 minutes at night every day
3: yes I do and I have done so since um the early 70s in fact I just calculated up that I have a 48-year meditation streak going, where I haven't missed a day in 48 years of uh, daily meditation. And it's an anchor point of my life. And uh, yes, I begin every day. Before I write a word in the morning, I do all my writing in the early morning hours from usually between 6 and 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's when I do my creative writing. But from about 4.30 to 6 when I start writing, I'm doing things like stretching and meditating and kind of getting myself tuned up for the day.
0: So, Carol, what projects have you got on the on the go now? Are you working on well, something altogether different or what?
1: Yes and no. First, I want to also say that I've been meditating since 1972 as well. Okay. And I do feel that meditation is really a very important basis for any positive mindset changes. So, I I also want to just. I'm glad you added
0: that because I I didn't know about your meditation history.
1: Yeah. My life has been pretty much dedicated to writing, speaking, and teaching about consciousness. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started when I was 15. So,
0: wow, awesome.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so about me, uh, my new projects, I am working on this workbook with Gay, and then we're putting together an e course. And basically, the e course is going to start where the book ends. And that'll be in the spring, uh, early spring. And the Conscious Luck Workbook should come out soon. And what I love about it, it's where it's rubber meet the road. It's really applying these principles. We're working with another woman who has an executive coach and a therapist who's worked with the book with her clients. So we're, and, and all of our interviews and getting to be in our Conscious Luck Global community on Facebook. And we've really see how this book lands for people and what has made a difference and what we didn't actually people aren't quite getting so we're taking this and it has been it's about manifesting it's now you know about conscious luck how can you manifest it for your particular mind-body complex and then my my bucket list that I think I'm going to start uh sometime in the next six months is I'm going to write historical fiction novel yes Gay doesn't even know that so I've signed up for writing classes and I'm starting my research it's going to be about the Belle Epoque Uh uh in Paris and I'm excited
0: very interesting. And I know Gay yeah. has done a lot of fiction writing in the last, well, probably five, six or seven years, right, Gay? And
3: Yes, I launched my series in 2012 about my uh, Tibetan Buddhist private detective in LA, T- uh, Tenzing Norbu. Yeah. Known and as I have ten. about half a dozen novels about him. And then I've launched a new series about a Victorian era dandy named Sir Errol Hyde, who's very humorous. And uh, I've got... Uh, three of those out now with another three in the can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool that you do that fiction writing after years of doing nonfiction writing and it really feeds your soul, doesn't it?
3: It really does. I think whether it's fiction or whatever it is, you know, Katie and I, my wife and I have worked a lot with uh, couples and uh, because of our book, Conscious Loving. And so one thing we found, especially couples from 40 up, 50 up, We say every breath you take is a choice between creativity or stagnation, creativity or stagnation, pick one. And so we advocate people to obviously pick creativity because if you keep your creativity flowing at 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, you know, you're alive. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Creativity is so important in our lives. Carol, how is the Facebook group going that goes along with conscious luck?
1: It's very interesting to hear people's experiences with these principles with the secrets um, I love they a lot they oftentimes share stories our community shares lucky stories and they ask really penetrating questions. Um, it seems to self select very cool people <laughs> in this in this group, um, we invite everybody if you're on Facebook. Uh, please join us. Uh, just look up Conscious Luck Global Community. We have a page where we post, and we also have a, a, a forum, a group. So there's a Conscious Luck page and a Conscious Luck group. And absolutely been a it's a really one of our principles is to find your lucky community. And so we are definitely uh, facilitating that on the virtual, especially now during a global pandemic where people are still in our country locked down in many places, or you know they're a little bit. Uh, hampered and limited in their abilities to get out, you can still have a lucky community in a virtual way.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, like I said, I truly enjoyed the book and you can go to consciousluck.com to get the book or to learn more about it. Gay, what are your final words of of wisdom, of advice, your final words to help us have conscious luck?
3: Just take 10 seconds right now and Float a new positive idea about yourself through your mind. One would be, every day of my life, I get luckier and luckier. Or tomorrow, I'm even luckier than I am today. Just change one thought and watch how everything else begins to fall into line behind it.
0: And Carol, what final words do you have
1: for us? That feeling lucky is the key to being lucky. And feeling lucky has to do with finding gratitude and appreciation every moment. And um, I'm very excited. I'm writing, we're writing the chapter on, on that right now in the workbook. And it's so beautiful to realize that we hold the key to feeling lucky at any moment.
0: I can't wait till the workbook comes out. I really enjoyed the book. Have a great, lucky rest of your day. Thank you again.
3: Thank you,
1: Bruce. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Bye now mindful tribe i hope you enjoyed today's interview if you did please tell your friends about the show every person who subscribes and listens helps our show so in the meantime take what you heard today and reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode